Hello, hello, and welcome to the Cement Soulcast. This is your host, Cement Soul. In this episode, we will be covering something near and dear to my heart. So, in this case, we will not be doing an impressions video. We will be doing a sort of an overview on a system that I can actually speak from an informed perspective on. I am, of course, talking about Turnip28. I bring up Turnip28 today because it has had an update as of the 20th of January, and I do sort of want to keep it in the limelight because it is one of my favorite systems. My name is on that Patreon roll call at the end of the book. Now, before we go any further, tonight I will be drinking uh, just the V-Export Gold again, same as last time. I haven't gone out for a harder liquor at the moment. We'll just go through the first case of beer before we uh, upgrade. Whenever you hear the music play, it is at that point that I take a sip. So today, we are touching back on Turnip28 which is one of my favorite independent systems. And we will not be talking about the theme of it so much because I have already heavily touched on the theme, 2,500 words worth, in an 11-minute video essay on my YouTube channel. Today we will be touching on the system's playability, the mechanics, and the mindset and philosophy of the game of Turnip28 itself. Now, I have played enough of this game to warrant a full review. I've played more than 20 games of Turnip 28 at this point. Those are of older versions though, prior to the tweaks in this newer version. But it still stands, I have played a lot of games of Turnip 28, I have played all of the factions at least twice, and I have played with other people multiple times, at least 8 times from my count. But I refuse to give it a uh, proper review treatment up until the campaign comes out. Because I think that is where the narrative features of Turnip28 will be really put to the test. Because as a standalone game, it is fine. It is great as a standalone game, in fact. As an excuse to make the models, it does an excellent job. But what I really want to dig down and write about is how the game squeezes a narrative out of its systems, and that is something that linked play is very good at. So I will hold out on it from now. Max Fitzgerald is working on the campaign, and from our conversations around it, I am on the Discord, I pop in and talk with them from time to time, I do quite like the ideas he is percolating about the campaign currently. There is a lot of reflection there on what campaigns are currently like, what the current standard and paradigm of campaign play is, and frankly how unsustainable that paradigm is. But we'll get to that another time. That is a whole episode of either a video essay or a podcast worth of discussion, so we'll not touch on it this time. So for this overview, this brief overview of Turnip28, we will instead touch on the little nitty-gritty things that make me really like the system. 
it should be noted that the game is designed by Gaetano Ferrara, who is responsible for One Page Rules. I do believe Max contacted him and asked him to design a core system for him, and then Max himself designed the faction systems and the scenarios. So Turnip28 does have that same simple core that One Page Rules has. What Turnip28 has on One Page Rules, though, is its faction rules uh, that are held up by its very strong theming. The faction rules of Turnip28 inject a considerable amount of character into the proceedings because each faction, each cult in this game, will play wildly differently to every other cult. The identity is not just there on the page, it is also made manifest thoroughly on the table. And that that is something that One Page Rules needs to spend more time on. It's a fairly common criticism of One Page Rules, I think that it feels a bit uh, soulless. It is, after all, a simplification of another, more popular system. What Turnip28 has done here is take that core usability in One Page Rules, that approachability and simplicity in systems, and it has injected a, and I am terrified of sounding real wishy-washy here, but it has given it a soul that is unlike most other systems I've seen. This is an energy that you only really get from, like, classic games workshop. It is quite tricky to articulate, and I do hope my video has helped getting my point across in that regard. Now, while the faction rules are great, the core rules themselves are nothing to sneeze at. The core system is alternating activations, however there is a command and control system in place using the game's uh, snobs. The snobs are your command units, which act as glorified command tokens in most cases. They are very fragile and you want them in the back. And when you successfully keep them in that role, they, they're basically just glorified tokens, as I say, they just follow around the units that they successfully command. But that does mean that if the snobs are in-game flanked around and assassinated, it will greatly affect the way you activate. It is a very nice modification to the alternating activation scheme that ties it in nicely to the state of play on the board and the lore of the system, which makes everything just much more immersive. A standard game of Turnip 28 has three snobs. You have your main snob, which is your Toph, and you have your two uh, sub-snobs, sub-commanders, which are your toadies. Each toady brings with them one unit, and each Toph brings two units into the game. So your standard game of Turnip 28 will be four units strong. And since the command units mostly function as tokens most of the time, games of Turnip 28 have a very low unit count. And this makes Turnip 28 a very low cognitive load game. You are not bombarded with data as you play. 
it is a little bit token heavy. There are panic tokens, there are smoke tokens, and occasionally the hit point tokens to keep track of on special units with multiple hit points. But other than that, you will be able to keep stuff like who's activated quite easily in your head, even with minimal token placing, because you're only really dealing with four units. This is also related to Turnip 28's combat scale, because like I mentioned in the video, it is a platoon scale game. It's in the middle of skirmish scale and full-on army scale. If you're real lazy about painting models, there are certain cults that can have you painting a very minimal amount of models just in terms of sheer numbers. If you're a fan of painting bigger things, there are cults that will let you paint mostly bigger things as opposed to mobs of infantry. But if you are fond of painting mobs of infantry, there is options to go that route. It probably will not be tactically feasible to go either wall-to-wall -wall infantry or all horses, for example, but the game lets you do it, and that is quite important because it ties into how Turnip 28 is a modeling game for most. A lot of people who will end up playing it will be doing so in a secondary fashion, because Turnip 28 does appeal quite heavily to the modeling and painting crowd. In Turnip 28, there are only four unit types, along with one artillery unit. Well, there are four universal unit types. Certain cults will give you certain special units that can totally define the way those cults play. All this translates to a game with a finite unit count and a low number of unit slots that lets you combine those units into those slots in a lot of ways. This gives Turnip 28 a lot of theory craft value. Mix up your universal unit options with the cult units and the specific cult abilities, and all of a sudden, you have a lot of ways to approach the problem that is facing the other player, who will, of course, be doing the same thing. Even on the list-building level, Turnip28 is already fostering a sense of expression, and that is very important. It gives the player agency. It gives the player the sensation of being in control, of being able to make choices within the game structure. Which then brings us to how the game itself plays. So, Turnip 28 is Napoleonic. This does mean that reloading plays a big part in the game's exchanges. It also means that retreating plays a big part in the game's exchanges. In Turnip 28, you have to track who has a shot when black powder weapons are involved because they can only shoot the one time within the round. This gives the game a very nice tactical layer, especially because it has alternating activations when it comes to black powder units shooting at other black powder units because it gives the units further down the initiative track incentive to shoot units that have already gone, because those units cannot shoot back. And yes, there is reaction fire in Turnip 28, 
And yes, that reaction fire does eat your one shot per round if you are using the black powder guns. The game also gives you ranged weapons, which were, according to a post on Reddit, conducted via a math hammer, the statistically straight up better choice. So as of this latest patch, they have been nerfed a little bit. I am not sure how much credence just running something through Math Hammer without testing it extensively on the table has, because honestly in games like this the feel of the game matters way more than the actual stats, but I am just being a huge dork, don't mind me. And I do digress. The point is, there's ranged weapons, they are, not, they are an alternative to the black powder weapons, and they can reaction fire as much as you'd like. The game's melee is similar in that there will be a reaction after a unit that has charged does its melee against another unit. What's interesting in both these cases is that once the exchange happens, there are going to be some panic tokens put onto some units. Panic tokens come from being shot, being in a melee, uh, walking on dangerous terrain, and failing to obey the snob's commands, which is pretty funny when it happens. Panic tokens come into play whenever units retreat. Units can retreat as a result of a panic test or as a result of losing a combat exchange. Long story short, in turn of 28, your units will be retreating all of the time. It is a very frequent mechanic. If a unit is shot and someone falls over, the unit runs away. If a unit is charged, it has a chance of also running away. During melee combat, one of the sides is probably going to run away because the mechanics will not let you finish the melee unless there is a clear-cut winner. It will just make you do another one if you draw. It's brutal. The entire game exudes this air of... Uh, military incompetence. It is fantastic. There is nothing quite like it. Well, I say that there is nothing quite like it, but there are some pretty obvious inspirations here. First off is Mordheim, how the book is laid out, how it ties the prose straight into the rules in such a beautiful way. That is very Mordheim. It extends to how the art layout is done, too. If you've, if, you, if you've seen the Mordheim book, you'll know what I'm talking about. Turnip 28 also reminds me of uh, Gorka Morka. Because Gorka Morka and orcs in general, Warhammer orcs in general, they have this sort of magic trick they do where the orc player is kind of forced into playing narratively. The orcs have such a powerful narrative attached to them that you cannot help but play in the fashion befitting their faction. This phenomenon is cranked up to 11 in the Gorkamorka system. If you are not familiar, Gorkamorka is basically the Orc Bible. Everything that Warhammer 40k Orcs are currently comes from that Mad Max zeitgeist that birthed Gorkamorka. It is a very fun read. It is also a system that sort of just happens to you as you play it. It is firmly spectacle first strategy, I don't know, not even second man, strategy seventh maybe? 
Guacamole is a system wherein if one of your boys gets a, I believe, a leadership score higher than your knob, he will challenge the knob into a fist fight. And if he wins, he becomes a new knob, and your previous knob has a chance of dying from the fist fight. Gorkamorka is firmly narrative first, at the expense of any semblance of balance, really. Which is a very orky design philosophy, of course. Turnip28 inherits that mindset, but it works in more gentle design flourishes, uh, befitting of its uh, slightly more somber subject matter. Slightly. What I am getting at here is that Turnip28 will sometimes be unfair. It will feel unfair when your unit with two panic tokens on it is charged by a unit of bastards, and they succeed the panic test, but the bastard's ability, Bowel Losing Charge, makes them re-roll the successful panic test, which makes them then fail the panic test, and the bastards run them down, deleting them instantly. When you're playing the Swelling, and the Swelling player grows a tendril into your Brutes, which kills five of them on the spot because of the Dangerous Terrain test, yeah, those instances will feel less like you're being outplayed and more like you have just stumbled onto a very bad set of dice rolls. And arguably it is part of reinforcing what the system stands for of further strengthening these narrative put forth by its lore. There are efforts to curb the most apparent bad feel things that the system may present. The Leech Lovers, for example, have just gotten a rehaul of their cult ability because they were just quite overwhelmingly strong prior to the adjustment. Max Fitzgerald pays a lot of attention to this system, let me just put it that way, it is his baby. Turnip28 is a narrative game, and that can be a hard sell. Like the previous examples I mentioned with the insta-deletion, that can be a big turn-off to the right kind of person. I know the philosophy of just like playing what you like and getting really good at them is quite popular in wargaming circles, especially when you are a Warhammer player where that kind of faction loyalty is often paired with a highly competitive environment. But I would like to hazard the guess that getting good is not the point of this system. The point of Turnip28 is to laugh at your little plastic men. Well, in this case, probably like 40% green stuff men. As they try to move out of a swamp and fail and all die, there is a certain kind of glory to the sheer miserable state of existence that this system tries to present. And at the end of the day, that is what makes me love it so much. It is a system trying to tell a story through the systems. Which is not bad at all, coming from a game that grew out of an Instagram art trend. 
Thanks for listening tonight, everybody. A bit of an abrupt ending, but I am quite tired tonight. And it is bloody hot. Do keep tuned into the YouTube channel. There is content on the way. I've just had a few dozen hiccups these past couple months. But we will be back on the ball very soon. This is Cement Sol. Until next time.